Just a warning for this week's episode. There's going to be a few swear words. So if you're not happy with the F word, you're just about to hear one in about eight seconds. Don't say I didn't warn you. Ah! I've gotten into the habit of taking my recorder with me everywhere, just in case something happens that's good for the podcast. For instance, this is the sound of a bearded 32-year-old trying to put up a large poster on an overpass. In the rain. This is the sound of the rope falling off the bridge and almost losing the poster. This is the sound of a bearded 32-year-old reading a very polite sign saying, Bill Posters, please contact the council for permission. And this is the sound of a bearded 32-year-old doing a show about sincerity, ethics and love songs knowing that while it's legal to put up this poster, something still doesn't feel right. That maybe this sign should be more of a last desperate resort. That it's still a month from opening night. That tickets are already on sale, yes, and you're all welcome to come along. That theatre isn't like golf. Golf is a solo venture. Theatre should be about collaboration with friends. And here is a 32-year-old alone by himself. Struggling. Uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. And once in the car, this is the sound of a 32-year-old calling a lawyer. Because if a poster is like using an iron to swing at a golf ball, maybe a lawyer can offer the wedge or putter or whatever. The more delicate and surgical approach. More appropriate for the situation. <coughs> Hello. Hi, it's Tom Hogan here. Hi, Tom. Um, uh, are you at work? I'm not sure what, I, what like the processes of calling you and doing things. <laughs> well, you call me and we do things. Uh, yeah, I am at work, yeah. Okay. Well, um, how would I get in touch with you to find possible like property ownership addresses? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I must ask why you want that. <laughs> um, uh, we, wanted to, we want to get in for a job. Like a show, a theatre show. It is Richard Mercer, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. The, the the land register is public. Um, uh, is is public domain, so there's no real issue with using it to then send him a letter. That would be great. What do I need to go about doing that? Um, you want to come in? Um, yeah, I can do that. My name is Tom and I'm making a theatre show with my friend Bonnie all about love songs and the radio host Richard Mercer. The problem is, uh, he's a pretty hard guy to find. This is Missing Richard Mercer. What's on your mind? A couple of weeks ago, my girlfriend at the time, Vanessa, rang up. Yeah. Uh, she dedicated a song to me and told me that she wanted to marry me. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know that I accepted her proposal. 
Congratulations, Georgia. Thank you, Richard. Wow. We're very happily engaged. She's basically just the sunshine of my life. She's the wind beneath my wings, and, and she gives me strength every day. I, I love her so much. I don't know what I'd do without her. Yeah, well, life would be very empty listening to you, Georgia, if you didn't have Vanessa there beside you. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's wonderful. She did, did she catch you by surprise when she proposed? She did. I didn't expect it. We're lying in bed Sunday morning, and and she woke me up and she gave me the ring, and oh, wow. I was I was amazed. It was wow. beautiful. That's lovely. Well, I cannot wait to marry the love of my life. Is there anything else you'd like to let Vanessa know? as I send the song out to the love of your life, Georgia. Vanessa, I'm, I'm so happy that you came into my life. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my pride. And I love you with all my soul. Who I can't wait to see tonight. Love you. Georgia would request Runaway by The Cause. And it would be a beautiful celebration of their engagement. And love song dedication suddenly plays a huge role in the lives of Georgia and Vanessa. I was wondering... Would you ever want to choose a song that isn't completely and unashamedly earnest? Like, why be subtle? One of the big descriptors of epic love ballads, and probably one of the main criticisms of pop music in general, is that it's impossible for a song to be subtle. That they're giant declarations of love or pain, and there's no room for ambiguity. It's hard to say this is really a bad thing, but it's definitely something that makes it less cool. But who wants to be cool? Carl Wilson, one of the great music critics, points out that punk, metal and social justice rock like U2 or Rage Against the Machine, they're just as one-sided and unsubtle as Celine Dion. That they all just use emphatic slogans, lyrics of simple inspiration. It's just therefore a completely different subculture. They can be just as cliché as each other. Coolness goes out the window. You are just as cliché as the person standing next to you in the mosh pit. One of the biggest cliches in pop music is the epic key change. I'm sure I don't need to explain it to all of you, but just so we have the basics covered, a key change is always something towards the end of a song, the big climax when you think the song is coming to an end, and then bam, the song gets higher, bigger, louder. Here's Josh Groban's key change in You Raise Me Up. Here's the Backstreet Boys in I Want It That Way. My fire, the one desire you are. Probably the least subtle one is Beyonce's Love on Top. Or this other example from Beyonce's Love on Top. Or 
or you could visit this key change from Beyonce's Love on Top. Or if you'd like, there's always the key change in Love on Top. God, it's so good. <laughs> That's right, four key changes in one song. One simple definition of the key change is just taking all the notes of a song and changing them, which in most cases is, like Josh Groban sang, raising everything up. It's not subtle. It is showy and big, and it's an easy way to impress a crowd, or to take a big song and make it feel gigantic. It could also be known as a cheap trick, or an emotional manipulation, which is an interesting claim if we're trying to find sincerity. Can it really be sincere if it's based on manipulation? Surely, if you're sincere enough, a key change isn't necessary to convince an audience to believe your emotion, which is why people can either love or hate key changes. There are so many examples of key changes in pop music that I've just made a two-hour Spotify playlist for you, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. You're welcome. But here is the story of a clever key change, and a subtle one, and maybe a sincere one, buried in a song that could be considered royalty in the world of earnest and epic love song dedications. Runaway by The Cause. The song builds over the next few minutes and introduces some pretty epic sounds, including these massive, big-hitting drums, and even throws in a dirty electric guitar fill, which, in any other context, convention tells us it would lead to a massive key change. Typical pop song. But the cores use these conventions to fake you out. And they don't deliver. It seems like it hasn't hit that emotional lift. But the cause are smarter than you. A key change has actually happened. It just hasn't gone up or down. It's just gone maybe sideways. Listen to the violin singing the sweet, dreamy melody. Here it is in the first half of the song. And here it is in the second. Sparing you too many details in music theory, this key change has not raised everything. It's simply moved exactly one note in what would otherwise be a standard F major scale this sound now, into what is known as the Lydian scale, this one. It's a subtle difference, but it's there. It's often described as dreamy or magical, 
and it's perfect for film soundtracks or jazz improvisations. It's rarely seen in pop music. But here it is. It means this song, By The Cause, starts in a typical or cliche scale in pop music and somewhere over the course of three minutes takes you to something lighter, dreamlike and sweet without you really noticing. The cores were all set up to give you this typical pop song key change, but instead they did a subtle modulation and they held back. Because listen, using some small audio trickery, the song could sound right at home with a full-on key change. Check it out. Listen to this. And if you wanted to push it even more, and besides, I'm having lots of fun, check out this. But they didn't do that. Shame, really. It sounds great. I've always liked this song, way before I knew anything about music theory as well, but... It's just as sickly sweet and produced as the other big pop songs of its time. So maybe maybe those small, intelligent and subtle musical choices made this song stand out amongst the other songs, even without me really noticing. I've been thinking about really what makes a difference between the pop songs and the mainstream radio or more alternative stations. If I look at the list of songs that cross over from Richard Mercer's playlist and say, I don't know, the playlist of Triple J at the same time, Really, throughout the 90s, only about five or six songs seemed to exist in both realms. But, uh, I thought I'd ask the people who knew better than me. Hottest 100s and thousands, and we have taken over your radio station. This is the podcast. So there is this other podcast you could check out. It's called Hottest 100s and Thousands. And basically, four guys are going through Triple J's Hottest 100 chronologically from 1993 and reviewing every single song. They've just finished season five, so they're only up to 1997. I thought while they're reviewing the cool alternative songs of the 90s, surely a lot of those songs are dated as well. So maybe we're just working in parallel. They're reviewing songs from 25 years ago and seeing which ones hold up. And really, I want to know if Runaway by The Cause holds up as well as I think it does. So I got in touch. I gatecrashed their podcast to see what they think. Now, up until now, Missing Richard Mercer has been a fairly clean podcast. But the joy of the Hottest 100s and 1000 podcast is that four friends, Nathan, David, Adam and Andrew, are so friendly and comfortable with each other. So I warn you, there are a few swears throughout this discussion, but I wasn't really going to ask them to hold it back. For instance, just to get the conversation flowing, we went through the few songs that appear in both the Love Song Dedication songbook as well as Triple J's Hottest 100. The crossover is surprising, so just listen to what happens when I mention KD Lang singing Constant Craving. Katie Lang's Constant Craving. Oof. Ah, mm. beautiful. Ah, it's an nice. amazing song. This is a great song, right? Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's so good. Mm. Yeah. I saw Katie Lang last year on the 25th anniversary of the Ingenue record. Yeah, right. And she fucking played this and brought the fucking house down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. I considered this a successful infiltration. The interview had begun, and choosing my moment carefully, I asked them to review Runaway by The Cause. 
just as if it were an episode of the hottest 100s and thousands. Can we Ladies. listen to the cause at all? Of course you go- we can. The- yeah? Of course, course we can. can. <laughs> we play the song. Up until now, you had five quiet music fans discussing the merits of KD Lang. Once we put on the cause, though, it was suddenly a room of fanboys singing along carefree, laughing and listening to a song about young love. Any sense of musical elitism went out the window. The joy of love song dedications that I've come to feel quite comfortable in filled the room. We danced to the key change. Then we settled down and we got to work. Well, we we just rocked out. Oh, the fuck (laughs) we did. It's so much... It's so crafted as a piece of music. Like, yeah. so many indiv- like all the individual moments are like, we have to have this part here. It wasn't like a jammed out piece. Like, I was so shocked when the, when the drums came in. Mm, and then the, 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 and I think the other moment you're talking about is like that, the really deliberate stop everything guitar chords. Yeah. 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 And the key change and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. But like, I was just remarking on how like, it's just so crisp and clear all the production. Like it's just all completely at the front. Yeah. And it's just like... This is classic, like mid nineties. We've gone digital and everyone's just like, I want bright and loud and joy, I think. But it's it's confident. (laughs) It's confident in everything that it's doing. You know Mm. what I mean? Like it, 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 it doesn't need to hide anything in subtext. It it can be so upfront with everything that it's doing. Even the fact it's like, yeah, we're going to be unabashedly folk Irish because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we have to incorporate that as part of... It's juggling it's a lot of blood, different things. It's doing a lot and it's apologising for none of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if they did just break out into a little bit like, I'm sorry, guys, we're Irish. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for listening. This is a bit on the nose, so we're going <laughs> yeah. to dial it back for the next verse. Yeah, I really say um, run away with you. That's a bit too obvious. Oh, no, but the racy line is by candlelight, make love Maybe. to me through the night. <laughs> it's one of those oh. ones where you're um, you're in the car with your parents, and then that line, and you're just going to so feel awkward oh. for a little bit. Oh, oh. oh. oh you triggered me, actually. <laughs> I just, those both, like, that was oh. like, for me, that was um, listening to one of my absolute, I've mentioned before in the podcast, my sincere love of hunters and collectors, mm. but yeah. um, throw your arms yeah. around me. Yeah. It's a song about a one night stand. Like, it's explicitly. I, actually, I think you'll find it's about car insurance. Yeah, that song comes on, and just like the. So shed your skin let's get started and just like sitting there quietly in my mum's car like, God that was your cringe line that's not even that's like a metaphor it's not even like direct it's you works. start talking about just anything so yeah, uh, yeah mum uh, school's uh, going well uh. we need more yogurt yeah. <laughs> but like this cause track like it's so like a hangover of like that 80s studio professionalism production like when the drums kick in there they've got like that Phil Collins tone and like yeah. everything's really crisp and loud and right to the front the faders are pushed right up like it's so obviously made as a like this was constructed to be a pop hit and obviously it was and it's a very well made song and her voice is beautiful is this so is this timeless I guess hell fuck yeah it is this is beautiful uh, David says yes I, I think <laughs> I like I love it um and, like, I, I remember this from being a kid and, mm. like, you know, listening to the radio. I feel like it's very grounded in the 90s, particularly because of that, like, kind of bringing in all those 80s production elements to, you know, a family Irish folk band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with all that, like, really, you know, yeah, we've just got a, you know, we've just got a digital studio. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys got a folk song? Let's make it, <laughs> let's make it a pop hit. I can, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's, it's maybe too like too locked in that era mm, um mm. and that once the people that remember it fondly from that time i think it'd be weird to discover it now 
Yeah, of and, course. And like, really be drawn to it in any way. <laughs> you know what? It, I can't imagine anyone getting into the cause now. Like, it's everyone just, that likes the cause now likes the cause in fucking 90 exactly. whatever the fuck. And I think that there's an interesting parallel, really, in that, can, and what we're doing with the with the hottest 100 as well. Like some of the songs you look at, and uh, we've we've explicitly just said, like, oh my god, these are so 90s. This could this sounds really dated, and datedness can go one of two ways. Really, it can either go it's unlistenable because you weren't there and you missed it and you, if you're discovering it now whatever or, or you're trying again, to show someone face off for the first time and then they're just like, like you liked this movie like it's still the you, best movie I'm sure weren't there. yeah or the other thing is that like again it serves as a time capsule thing where it's like oh man this encapsulates the sound of the 90s so well mm-hmm. that now it's actually aged better because of how little it has aged and because of how rooted it is in that time mm. and I think potentially in terms of like a sheeny 90s love song hit it's probably the latter with the cause because we can listen to it now and we were just like there was a lot of enjoyment and I don't think that would have been there if there was if it was two 90s uh, in, in that other way that made it that would probably make us cringe and not be able to appreciate the kind of like pure sacker and joy of it all yeah even like mentioning we're going to listen to the cause we all kind of went like yeah, yeah, yeah. like yes yeah but yeah. yeah but whether it's timeless the kind of thing like it's so obviously like a, like a wedding song right like people have played oh, yeah. heaps of weddings and like you said nathan i don't know if that's going to continue once people like are getting married in like 2020 or whatever like and like unless you're getting married late in life but if you're like getting married at 25 and it's the year 2025 or whatever you're probably going to put the cause on mm. I couldn't imagine a 20 something requesting this as a dedication mm. you know I, yeah. I feel like you would have had now. to have been yeah exactly you can I think it is the mixture of like nostalgia versus cringe it's like perfectly in the middle there and maybe this this doesn't make me cringe anymore like Runaway is like mm. somehow beyond that yeah even though it's that so would, yeah because it because I think that earnestness is so there that mm. if you you either disengage completely or you do what we did and it's just like, hands up. Yeah, just enjoy. We're, we're here. We're just going to, we're going to meet you. Yeah. In your exuberance. Which I, I guess is that the whole point of this show, right? That you guys are doing is just to love these songs. To no, love this that is they to assert love. our dominance as the greatest podcast of all time. <laughs> How's it going for you? Fucking great. Thanks for asking. Great review and subscribe. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think part of that, I think like, um, kind of like each song is a is a weird way that we kind of put our own tastes and what we think that they are to the test mm. every single time against these weird songs um, and see how those two inter interact and what kind of chemicals are formed there. Yeah, okay, I cool. Guess. That's that's how it is kind of kind of for me exactly. And sometimes you surprise yourself with what you end up liking and the way that you end up liking it. And there's no like sometimes you can see there's a there's a mathematics that occurs where you go like, oh, well, I hated this song, so it makes sense that I hate this song. But other times, I don't know, I, I don't speak for everyone, but I surprise myself with my reaction <laughs> to some songs. It's like, I should hate this. I should, but I don't. And sometimes it's context, and sometimes it's just that other level of, like, navigating irony or sincerity often. I think they're, they're the two big things. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, two powerful emotions, irony and nostalgia. The big two. <laughs> the big two, you might yeah. say. Yeah. I think I think love songs particularly have it tough because you like, I mean, all music, you, you attach it to personal moments and personal experiences, mm. but love songs will inevitably have to be attached to moments, you know, fueled by hormones and like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, yeah. In know, the moment moments. And, yeah, and like, you know, bad like relationships or mm. infatuations that you look back on not too kindly on yourself or whatever. And so, for a love song to, like, 
be really good, it has to let you move past that or whatever and be like, you know, I can't do this as a 14-year-old when I was head over heels in love with a terrible person (laughs) and I've moved on from that. But but somehow do I still like the song? Yeah. yeah. I think that's important. So is that the test of timelessness almost? That's even bigger than your... Bigger than whatever shit I was going (laughs) through as a (laughs) 14-year-old. Yeah, Yeah. but if, if you can, like, if... You, if say if you're with someone and they're like this is this can be our song I really adore this song but then you're like man six months ago I went through a really bad breakup with somebody who and it was our song then <laughs> if you can love it then then it's time then, for yeah. <laughs> see see I think like the personal context is the one insurmountable obstacle when it comes to approaching songs and I think you like man if anyone is able to get a, a to like willfully change the narrative that they have with the song. The association that there's some... (laughs) (laughs) Consecutive relationships having the same song. That seems seems like a big ask to me. (laughs) The the next guy you're dating is like, man, I also really love Runaway. You're like, oh man, it's like four in a row. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for your association to that song. God. Like, I really hope this song is deep enough that I can find something new. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I really hope Hope. You like those, reach in, man. Drums, you yeah. just have these hot takes every time. You just go away. You listen to the song. It's like no, because it's actually about this really weird Russian political time. Yeah. Actually, and- it's, a, it's a breakup song, really. Yeah. yeah. In this relationship, I was all about that candlelight line, but now I'm about the guitar bit. Yeah. <laughs> Babe, whenever I hear that, just like I just think you and me, us. You are a Phil Collins drum beat for my heart. Well, thanks so much, guys, for, uh, I don't know, uh, humouring me on this. I'm not sure. No worries, dude. Thank you for humouring us. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So, uh, what's for uh, season six? What are you anticipating? I have not looked at the list yet. (laughs) It's Mm, it's a really really great list. The the, the top end, like the 100 to like 90 or so like that, has a bunch of songs that you could easily mistake for the the number ones. They're just some absolute bangers. It's 98, right? Like... That, like the late 90s is still a great time for music not just nostalgia goggles that's some absolute banging tunes but I'm really like what's been most exciting for me with the countdown is finding the weird songs and the songs that I anticipate yeah. I will dislike which is heaps of fun and, mm. and they live in that kind of <laughs> bottom quarter <laughs> yeah, to okay. bottom third and sometimes beyond that yeah. Um, but yeah that's where you find the really the really interesting stuff mm. Mm. thanks very much guys thanks dude so the most important part of this conversation, which is going to have to be the next phase of this podcast, is, um, well, everyone in the room seemed to agree that these songs were a product of their time, and sometimes that gave it strength, and sometimes that made it feel dated. Love Song Dedications is a time capsule of songs and expressions that were relevant then, but what actually lasts is something very personal. Whoever I speak to next, I need to hear their personal story with music. You know, the analysis is one thing, but personal stories, that's something else. The secret isn't going to lie in production or a choice of chord or a key change. It is easy just to analyse and sit in nostalgia, you know, but it's hard to balance your own personal experience with these songs. I went through a list of my ideal guests that I wanted to ask. Are love song dedications and those songs just simply time capsules of a moment, or are they relevant now? But of all the musicians in the world, well, all I want to do is talk to Richard Mercer and ask him. But then, just after midnight, Bonnie called through with a bombshell. Hello, Tom Oh, hi, Bonnie Lee Dots. Hello. 
Um, I'm pretty good. I'm hiding under a bus shelter in the rain. Uh, no big deal. Oh, that's yeah, it's pretty good. Well, I was I was just a couple of glasses in. I have uh, just been told, and I have a good authority, that apparently there is a Christy or Kirsty Mercer, and she's daughter of Richard Mercer, and she is also a radio person related thing, and that is my news. Hey, okay. Bonnie Lee Dodds, you've brought the goods. It's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I will look that up. When it stops raining and yeah. things are okay. I'll... Okay, great. Thank you so much. That's next week on Missing Richard Mercer. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go back to the party now. <laughs> Thanks, Bonnie Lee Dodds. Big thanks to Hottest 100s and Thousands for getting on board with this. Check out their podcast. It's Mammoth. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to a Spotify playlist full of songs that all have key changes of different sorts. You can just go to missingrichardmercer.com and read about each episode there. Oh, before I forget, tickets are on sale to love song dedications without Richard Mercer, the theatre show that Bonnie and I are making. Go to missingrichardmercer.com slash info. That is missingrichardmercer.com slash info. For all the information about the show, you can buy tickets. And if you're a listener to the podcast, you can book using the promo code LOVEGOD and you'll get a discount. Eh, don't say I don't do anything for you. Our theme music is by Tom Hogan. Visit missingrichardmercer.com for more information. And thank you for listening. And, uh... Well, here's some bonus content. Hello. Hello, Uma. It's Thomas. Oh, hello, Thomas. Nice of you to call. Oh, it's okay. It's your birthday today. Yes, yes. Would you believe that, 90? That's amazing. That's so good. It's amazing. Yeah, I feel good. I yeah. feel good. I got spoiled all day. Your mother took me out for breakfast and I couldn't eat. I could only eat cake. <laughs> then she said, oh, we have lunch. I said, I can't eat anything. And, and, and it was really, we had a good day. And then, of course, you, you know your mother. She always has to buy something. I said, I don't need anything. But, Mom, that looks so good. She bought me a top and she bought me a jumper. I said, Swanny, I, I got all that. Now, I had a really good day. <laughs> oh, I had a so really good, good day. Um, yeah. What are you, what are you, um, are you going to watch anything tonight? Yes, I watched TV tonight, yes. Andrew, Andrew Rene, you know the, the, the piano players, a violin player from Denmark? Denmark? You wow. don't know him? No, yeah. I don't. That sounds great. Yeah, oh yeah, and I, I watched him, and it was so beautiful. It reminded me so much of my family. They're all musical-minded, and I closed my front door because I was singing with him, you know. <laughs> and, and, and music, you feel you feel completely different. You can feel down and, and not happy. You have music on, and you feel great, don't you think? Yeah, totally. It's magic. Yeah, the music is the best thing. Like I said, my mother and my father played piano, accordion, and my, my brother and all of them. And then I hear it. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah, yeah.